I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you've been listening. No, you are listening to Schmanners. <laughs> it's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. Ugh. See, here's what happened. Can I Wait, tell you what okay. happened? Okay. okay. I hit like a mental speed bump, a mental pothole, where as my brain was like, hey, say the thing about you're listening to Schmanners. Another part <laughs> of my brain went, Oh, our voice is kind of croaky because we've been sick and talking a lot. And should we address that on the show? And those two ideas happen at the same time. And it, they bounced off each other in such a way that made me just jump right to the end of the show. You know, that is perfectly relatable. That is something that also happens to me. What I want to ask is, uh-huh. just now, you referred to yourself as we and us. What did you, I say? You did. You well, because you were talking about the two different things bouncing off each other. And as you were talking about yourself, talking to yourself, you said, we. Did I? Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't think, even notice. I think that's amazing. Do you think of yourself as we? Some people do. I guess I do. Because in the past, I've talked about uh, the three different Travises in time mm-hmm. of the decisions past Travis makes impact present Travis. And he gets mad. At past Travis, but he can't do anything at past Travis, so he punishes future Travis. <laughs> uh, I do I do that less now that I'm uh, almost forty years old. I don't I don't punish future Travis as much as I love future Travis, and I'm trying to protect him at all costs. <laughs> but I guess I do kind of think of myself in the royal we a little bit. Yeah, some people do. It's it depends, okay. I think, on how my brain is operating that day. Because there's some points where like we're all working together, and then there's some points where it's just solo. <laughs> Very interesting. I think that I t- I think about myself as divisions. So a part of this and a part here and a part there. So it's never a we. It's an I that is divided. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. That's going to do it. <laughs> no. Uh, and the reason why I'm asking you that is because this is an idiom show. Mm. And, the you know, I think that the royal we has spawned a lot of idioms. Not any that we're talking about today, but I also segue, don't segue, segue, fully, segue. I, I use it just like when it says, like, we are not amused. Like, it's just referring to themselves, right? But it's in a more like a hoity-toityer kind of way. I mean, I guess so. I, I suppose when, when the queen talks about we, she talks about herself as the head of a united, of a state, oh, right? Okay. As all of the people. Okay. Hey. As a representative. That's not what we're talking about, though. No, it's not. <laughs> right, let's get, give me that first idiom, and I'll see if I know what it means. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, I have to say thanks. Of course. Thank you to everyone who sent in idioms. Um, Alex was doing some some real good deep diving into all of your great submissions. Keep them coming. Quick recap. If you What don't, is an idiom? Uh, an idiom is a group of words established by usage as having a meaning not deducible from the meaning of the individual words. Right. I was very interested to fi- try and figure out the difference between idioms and slang, um, where 
I think that the main difference is uh, slang is often used as a as a as a way to speak within a subculture. Sure. Right? A group of people maybe in business, they have business slang, student slang, you know, things like that. Well, but right? I also th- I think that there's a, like a simpler di- a difference, right? Where slang, no matter what it starts off as, slang, the definition of the slang when you use it is the thing you're doing, right? So if you say like, oh, that's hot, right? Like in the usage of it, you're saying that is a good thing that I like, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have... As opposed to if you say like a bird in the hand, right? Or like let the cat out of the bag, right? That has a different meaning that then comes to be used something else, right? Like those individual words don't don't gather a meaning that means the thing you're sure, using. Sure, but them if for. you say that's hot, the the meaning is maybe that it's warm to the touch. But what I'm saying is it comes to slang adds that definition to the word. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Where using, uh, let the cat out of the bag, those individual words, like cat doesn't become secret, right? Bag doesn't become, you know, public or whatever, okay. right? You're not changing the definition of those words. Yes. And also slang is often just spoken where yeah. idioms are used in written word as well. Yeah. So, okay. Um, here's the first one. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. So, and sometimes people will say the opposite. What's good for the goose isn't always good for the gander. So, that's gone. When I hear this, I think about it like the definition in context, right? Of like if a husband is like, I'm going to go hang out with my friends, right? And then the next day, the woman's like, Well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Tonight, I'm going to hang out with my friends and get drunk and party, right? Of uh, that's what I think it means of like, Oh, well, if you get to do it, then I get to do it. Sure, sure. It's a saying that something that's good for you is probably good for somebody else, too. Yeah, right? but it's usually, I always think of it in the context of it's a little bit like retribution almost like punitive mm. a little bit of like, oh, oh, so you get to go out and party, but I don't? Nuh-uh-uh. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Oh, okay. That's how I think of it. Mm, sure, I guess so. If it's good for you in any way that's good, it's good for somebody else, but too. But it's kind of like if you get to do it, I get to do it. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Micah, for submitting this. Here's the thing. Uh, some people also say what's good for the goose isn't always good for the gander, uh, meaning that two people in a similar situation don't have the same needs. Because the gander is a female goose. A male goose. The opposite, yes. Oh, okay. The gander is the male of the goose species. Sure. Um, And so we have this phrase because of cooking oh yeah i I would have guessed farming well goose was a very popular thing to farm for a while and to eat yeah because of farming um for a long time like uh especially if you're talking about like britain uh go-to bird for fancy things they weren't doing turkeys turkeys was an american thing Mm -hmm. and so if you're doing you know christmas you're doing easter you're doing these things and you wanted to cook a bird for it, you're doing goose. That's right. And the male goose, like you said, is called the gander. So the phrase started as a joke about the way that you served the meat. The sauce that you made for a female bird was going to be just as good on the male bird because their meat was basically the same. Sure. Um, However, over the years, the phrase has evolved in some very interesting ways. Um, Some cases, the geese is completely eliminated. What's good for the woman is also good for the men. 
right? Sure. Also, like we said, good for the goose isn't always good for the gander, meaning the opposite of those ways. But I I don't think that's necessarily the correct use of the idiom, although idiom makes sense that way. Sure, but it feels like that's a completely different thing. Like, okay, yeah, that's a new turn of phrase based off of an existing idiom. Right. Not a different form of the same idiom. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it got switched into woman and men or group and it feels and like us a and thing. all that kind of stuff because people forgot what a gander is. It also kind of feels like a thing, the second one, that's different version. For some reason it gives me this vibe of like they would say that to like fight women's suffrage or like for oh. pro of like, well, and like what's good for the goose is good for the gander. But that well, 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 now hold on. What's good for the goose isn't always good for the guy, right? Mm. It, uh, I don't like that. Mm, I don't like it because either. the first version is like feels like saying like we're equal, and the second one's like, well, hold on, <laughs> let's not jump to uh, equal. You say <laughs> I don't know about all this, but I do like it in the way of using what one person wants might not be what everybody wants. Sure, I like that idea. Yeah. But you can just say different strokes for different folks at that point. That's true, and that's a much better way to say it. Speaking of male geese, okay. Here's another saying. Okay. Uh, submitted by Taylor. Take a gander at. Can I tell you? I didn't even think of that as an idiom. Oh yeah. Now I'm kind of going back and uh, backpedaling what I said earlier about changing the definition of thing. Whenever I've heard just take a gander at, I've just thought of gander as another word for look. Mm. Take a gander at. Is it because of the long neck and they can like swivel around and look at things? Yeah. Yes. Ah, take a gander. Yes. It just means like, look at this. But it's usually used in like a, you're not going to believe this, or like, whoa, take a gander. That there's usually an element of surprise, doubt. A this little is bit. extraordinary. Like, uh, oh, you think you know all about it? Well, take a gander at this, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So it started to pop up in publications around the 1800s, but it really made its home first in slang. Right. Uh, And around the turn of the century, last century. Uh, So it was common to hear the phrase in the early 1900s. And like you said, it was a play on the way that geese would stretch their necks out to look at something. Isn't it interesting how that how take a gander at right. Take a look at from the goose stretching didn't turn into take a goose at. Well, (laughs) I have to think, by then, maybe they were already using goose for, like, pinching a bottom or something, you know what I mean? Oh, because the way goose bites. Yeah, so, like, oh, you goosed them, and you're like, take a goose at this. Could be very confusing. Very confusing. Right? It's true. It's true. That's interesting to me, because I immediately pictured, like, any time, like, I was thinking about, uh, like, Charlotte's Web and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Anytime there's, like, uh, anthropomorphic, they do have them do that, like, hmm, what? Mm, They seem very nosy. Mm-hmm. In their like uh, way that they do it, and that's so it immediately made sense. Uh, here's another one: tuckered out. I have often heard plum tuckered out. Oh, I say this one all the time. Yeah, this means just like I'm worn out. I'm tired. I'm I could fall right asleep. I'm exhausted. I don't want to go anymore. Yes, Thea uh, suggested this one, and it th- again came from the mid 1800s. First showing up in 1939 in the Wisconsin Inquirer. Can I guess? Is it like related to like being tucked in? Mm, may I mean maybe, but okay. not not really. There's a few options. Okay. Okay. So in the newspaper they wrote, I reckoned to have got to the tavern by sundown, but I haven't, as I'm prodigiously tuckered out. Okay. 
So one option is that the word tuck derives from an old English word meaning to punish or torment. Making sense in the way of like being tuckered out is usually indicative that your body can't take anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've put it to the limit. I can't anymore. You've been tormented to your limit, right? And now you have to go to sleep. But there is another one. Tucker is an occupational surname referring to weaving. It means cloth softener or cloth weaver in German. That's got to be related to tucking someone in, right? If you're talking about cloth and you're putting the cloth over somebody and tucking them in, it has to be related, right? Sure, but it's tuckered out, not tucked in. I'm just saying, but the fact that tuck is there in both has to be connected, right? Or perhaps that weaving is a full body activity. Okay. Right? Um, You have to warp the loom, you have to loop the threads, you have to beat back the threads, and it's not uncommon for weavers to experience shoulder pain or general body discomfort after doing a repetitive motion like this for a long time. So it could be the phrase tuckered out comes from a person who is exhausted from weaving too much. Okay, yeah, people probably don't think of that now, but a loom is like a giant machine that you're like stretching out fully, stepping over, grabbing. It's a lot of work if you've never seen it done. Absolutely. Here's another one. Foot the bill. Okay. Suggested by Therese. Once again, this is blowing my mind because tuckered out, uh, foot the bill and take a gander at, I would not have thought of as idioms. It just feels like, this is things you say. Yeah. So foot the bill is like, you're paying for everything, but usually, once again, in kind of a grandiose way, mm-hmm. like you would say like, yeah, it was a big lavish wedding and the father-in-law's footing the bill, right? There would be, it wouldn't just be like, I'd like you to take a dinner and I'm gonna foot the bill. Like you wouldn't really say it that way. It's usually like, it was very expensive and they paid all of it. Yes, um, this actually comes from bookkeeping, which makes sense to me, right? Because it's about uh, paying a paying a bill is something that you would put down in your bookkeeping. Um, but the phrase comes from the 1800s when we still added up expenses in ledgers, right? Uh-huh. Great big books. Um, so the total of an account was always written at the bottom of the page, which is typically called the foot, right? <gasps> the header and the footer. Oh, uh, what? Yeah. So the person who footed or added up the total, was responsible for paying the bill. That makes so much sense. Yeah. I look, can I tell you, it satisfies the heck out of my (laughs) ding-ding brain when the idiom, like, origin is so cut and dry like that. We have some sometimes where it's like, well, it could be this, it could be that, or it could be this. And you're like, well, all of those kind of make sense, or I don't know. But when you have one, it's like, it's this. Oh, it's so great. I love it so much. <laughs> so even though we got rid of that in accounting, we don't usually keep great book books and footers and all kinds of ledgers like that. We did keep the fa- phrase. There's a word for that. And I can't, it's anachron. It's ba- it sounds like anachronism, but it's not. When there's a thing that like is outdated and we still do. Like, um, for example, when you take a picture using an app and it makes like it makes a camera a shutter sound, right? Or like when you type onto the keyboard of a phone and it makes clicks, right? And you're like, it, there's no reason to do that mm-hmm. except that that's what it used to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's got to be something like that, I mean, right? it's the same reason why when you call someone and like the picture of the of the phone, right? Uh-huh. You look at my, at my phone here, the picture of the phone is that the handset of like a rotary telephone. Mm-hmm. 
but people don't really use those yeah. anymore. But we know it anyways. Anyways, yeah. we're going to take a quick break for a thank you note for our sponsor. We'll be right back with more idioms. You know, in this day and age, Teresa, mm-hmm. we have a lot to teach each other. Oh. Ooh, this show is all about teaching people. Indeed. Right? Um, you learn interesting things, all this stuff. But maybe you're like, I want to do an online course, right? Where I teach people to weave, perhaps. Who knows, right? But how do you do that? Well, I recommend you check out Podia. P-O-D-I-A. Oh, like Podium. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Which okay. you would teach from. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. great. Or that I might stand on top of and be worshipped. One of those two. <laughs> so it's a platform that gives you everything you need to run an online business. It has a website builder. It can host and sell online courses or digital downloads and distribute your email marketing, run your online community, all kinds of stuff. It's easy to set up, edit, and design yourself. No text expert required or text expert, if you will, mm-hmm. because I love a poor man too. So listen, we need to share this information, right? Before it's too late. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. That's that's how scary it is. Everything is in one place with one login. You don't have to figure out how to use or connect a bunch of tools, all that stuff. It all just works. And it all just works together. Podia also starts at the best price. Free. Yay. Yay. You can start a community, build a full website, make your products, and start your email marketing all for free when you sign up at Podia, P-O-D-I-A, Podia.com slash Schmanners. I'm Jordan Cruciola, host of Feeling Seen, where we start by asking our guests just one question. What movie character made you feel seen? I knew exactly what it was. Clementine. From Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Joy Wang slash Jabu Tupaki. That one question launches amazing conversations about their lives, the movies they love, and about the past, present, and future of entertainment. Roy in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I worry about what this might say about me, but I've brought Tracy Flick in the film Election. So if you like movies, diverse perspectives, and great conversations, check us out. Oof, this is real. New episodes of Feeling Seen drop every week on MaximumFun.org. Oh my gosh, hi, it's me, Dave Holmes, host of the pop culture game show Troubled Waters. On Troubled Waters, we play a whole host of games, like one where I describe a show using limerick, and our guests have to figure out what it is. Let's do one right now. What show am I talking about? This podcast has game after game, and brilliant guests who come play him. The host is named Dave. It could be your fave. So try it. Life won't be the same. Uh, a big business starring Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin. Close, but no. Oh, is it Troubled Waters, the pop culture quiz show with all your favorite comedians? Yes. Troubled Waters is the answer. To this question and all of my life's problems. Now, legally, we actually can't guarantee that. But you can find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, what's our next idiom? Our next one is eyes peeled, suggested by David. Well, this is this is like you're on the lookout, right? You're looking around, uh, but you're not just looking for something. It's more saying like, be aware, right? Be on guard. Be uh, uh, ready to see something. Keep mm-hmm. your eyes peeled. Yes. Although, mm-hmm. it's up for debate. It could be a reference to fruit peels. Right, that's right? what I thought, because I immediately picture grapes. Yes, once you've peeled the fruit, it is completely open. Sure. Right? 
more likely, it's an exaggeration of suggesting that you will peel back your eyelids so nothing can impede your vision. Oh, well, those feel connected, though, don't they? I mean, they? a little bit, right? right? Like, you're talking about peeling back your eyelids like you would peel the skin of a fruit. Like, I don't think that those are separate ideas. Okay. Right? I don't think it might not be a direct reference to a peel, like your the peel of your eyes, so much as you're peeling back the eyelids like you would an orange or something. Right. But it it suggests maybe a earlier turn of phrase was keeping your eyes skinned. <laughs> nope. Ew. That feels like a threat, though. I See, know. See, that's why it feels different, because that feels like something that we're talking like 1500s, right? And you're like a tough like leader of an army. You're like a Genghis Khan type. Right? If you're casting for it, you'd be like, I want a Genghis Khan type. Mm-hmm. And he would like look at the soldiers and be like, if anyone gets through here, it's I, like, I'm going to flay you. So you better keep your eyes skinned or I'll skin you. Which right? I, that feels like a thing, right? Which I think, I mean, to my ear, that has one of those like opposite meaning kind of things, like quite and quite, right? Where if something is... We know something is skinned, the skin is removed. Yeah. But when you think about keeping your eyes skinned, I almost think about. Well, because you would skin a drum to put the lid on. I would think keeping the skin on top of your eyeball. Once again, contronyms. That's what they're called contronyms, where you would say, like, that's not quite it, right? Or like. Uh, what's or one? something was quite good across the pond. Yeah. Does not mean that it was very good. Well, there's one, I'm trying to remember, I think it's like fast. Right, where stuck fast mm-hmm. means it's stuck still, right? But you're running fast means you're actually moving very quickly. Indeed. Um, but I, I still think that there, though, if you're saying keep your eyes skinned and using that terminology, it feels like there's an element of fear in it, right? Yes. Like keep your eyes skinned or else. Some say that this expression came from the British police in the early 1800s. Uh, in 1829, the first professional police force was established in London by Home Security Secretary Sir Robert Peel. Oh. So shortly after, police officers started to be referred to as peelers since they reported everything they saw back to Sir Peel at his office, mm-hmm. right? So keeping your eyes peeled could be related to the idea of the cops keeping a close watch to report their findings back to Peel. Mm-hmm. This makes a lot of sense because did you know TSA was founded by George See Something, Say Something? <laughs> this is also why British cops are called Bobbies oh. because Sir Robert Peel. Okay. Right. I feel like British people have so much more fun with like slang and turns of phrase where it's just like, ah, uh, yeah, we're going to call them this. And it's like everybody's having a lot more slang fun over there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we might be out of touch. The the young, the youths, they have their own slangs. That's probably true. Okay. Uh, here's one. Down to the wire suggested by Houston. So this is like at the last second, right? Or like, oh, I got to finish this assignment. It's down to the wire, right? I got to turn it in like 10 minutes. It's down to the wire. Where did it come from, though? Okay, so it's not... It, the problem is, can I tell you the problem? As soon as I thought of it, it connected to, like, four different idioms that are about horse racing. That's where it's from. Is horse it? racing. Ah, okay, awesome. Because yeah. immediately I was thinking, like, uh, neck and neck, mm-hmm. by a nose, race mm-hmm. to the finish. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the 1800s, it was practiced to stretch a wire across and above the track at the finish line. So if it came down to the wire, that meant there was no clear winner, and it 
until the very last possible moment. And so this was extended into figurative language around 1900, and we say it all the time today. I can't believe I got that. I feel pretty good. Though, to be fair, it's not a strong leap to go like, okay, this is about timing a thing, mm-hmm. about down to the last second. It's probably ra- like a racing thing. Probably. It's not that big a leap, but I'm still impressed with myself. <laughs> Constantly. Here are some fun phrases from other families around the world that they're probably idioms. Um, Lauren M. wrote in some Australian. I love Australian slang. I was just talking about this on my brother, my brother and me, of like Australian slang is wild and great and I love it so much. The uh, uh, Australian equivalent to this guy is this little black duck. (gasps) That's great. That's great. (laughs) I love I love how evocative it is, yeah. right? Who has two thumbs and is awesome? This little black duck. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. And then um, swings and roundabouts is something that one says when you have two options that are both of equal value. Oh, so like you could either play on the swings or like a, a go round, you know, no. I guess so. Yeah, a roundabout, is, I gotta think, is a word for, you know, I don't want to say merry-go-round, but that's not it. But you know that thing, which is like a big circle. That little push wheel. That like kids hold on to the bars and you spin as fast as you can to see who flies off. Yep. Yeah. Um. Here's another one. <laughs> Better than a slap in the face with a wet fish. Now, I, I've i heard versions, I don't know if I've heard that exact one, right? Yeah. But better than a slap bottom is one I've heard before. Or better than a slap in the face. Better than a slap in the face, yeah. But I like better than a slap in the face with a fish. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very colorful, isn't it? Yeah. One of my favorite. I, don't, I think that anything is better than a slap in the face with a wet fish. I can think of things that are worse than that. Where if somebody was like, would you rather have this happen or I can slap you in the face with a wet fish? I'd be like, okay, face and <laughs> wet fish. Is this the thing? I'll, I'll try to censor this. But is is uh, like how are you feeling? And you're like, I feel like ten pounds of crap in a nine pound bag, right? <laughs> that is that a thing other people say? I don't know. Okay, I've heard you say that. Okay, because I've also said better than a fart in the face. Yep, that's one I've definitely said. Yep. Here's one from Bake Off last week: uh, a a bag of pants. Now you have to understand, American <laughs> listeners, pants in British is underpants, right? Because in American. We would say pants as the outer layer. Yeah. But those are trousers. Or slacks? Mm, yeah. Maybe. Okay. Okay. So Emily S. wrote in uh, to say that if you have an itchy nose around your mom or aunt, they'll say you're going to kiss a fool. I don't know that one. I think it's the same thing of where, like, if your ears are burning. Oh, yeah. Someone's talking about you. Or you shiver and it's like, oh, someone walked over your grave. Right. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's an old wives' tale that if you have an itchy nose, it's a sign that the next person you kiss is a fool. Oh, because they kiss so bad they're going to hit you in the nose? I'm I'm not quite sure. I, I, I think that it's just a phrase to get people to stop scratching their face. You know, like picking their nose or whatever. Yeah. It's going to get stuck up or, there. Or like you're digging for gold. Older versions of this phrase is crap. Or like when someone's scratching their butt and you say you're good in the movies and they say, why? And you go, oh, because you're picking your seat. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Uh, the older Dad version. Dad jokes. <laughs> is that scratch your nose and you'll kiss a fool. So I guess that just means that don't scratch your nose did or you you'll, ever, when the you, next person you kiss is not nice. When you were growing know. up, did you ever, like, 
anytime I saw somebody like play uh, with crutches, like if somebody had crutches because they got hurt, and you know, like borrow from a friend and you start like using them, I, like I would have adults say like, oh, if you do that, you'll be the next one to like break your leg. You'll be the next one to get hurt. Oh, because it's very easy to fall off crutches. That's like what I never them. put together until I got older. Where I was like, oh, it's like bad luck. Huh? And then I got older and I was like, oh no, because like you're racing around on crutches. What are you doing? And I never put it like, I was just like, oh. Then again, I also had uh, a teacher who told me if I wrote on my hands with pen, because that's how I used to keep notes when I was like uh, little, that I would get ink poisoning, which mm-hmm. doesn't exist. That, nope. that was my health teacher who told me that. <laughs> uh, Marie wrote in to say that she's heard her grandma say, uh, this is hog heaven, but honey, I'm kosher. Oh, I Me- definitely heard hog heaven. Yeah. I haven't heard that whole thing. Meaning that everyone else is having fun, but they're not. Oh, hey, can I tell you, sad, but a great turn of phrase. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. A great turn of phrase. (laughs) Uh, Here are some um, Scandinavian idioms. Some of the best. Submitted by Grant. In Denmark, you can have a bear on. Ooh. Which means to be tipsy or drunk. Oh, I was just uh, learned there's a Victorian slang. If you're like half drunk, call it half rats. Half rats. Yeah, R-A-T-S. Like, oh man, I'm feeling half rats right now. Um, <laughs> I, need, I think I need to stop. I got to work in the morning and I'm feeling real half rats. Uh, a hard banana is to be a tough guy. Oh, once again, a weird thing to say to somebody if you're like, oh. Yeah, man, I would never mess with you. You're a real hard banana. What? What'd you say to me? I'm going to actually beat you up now. <laughs> uh, here's one from Sweden. Uh, there's no cow on the ice means don't worry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, oh, but no, it's fine. Because like if a cow's on the ice, you'd be worried that the cow would break through the ice and you'd all go in the water. I mean, I don't understand how how many cows are really wandering around on frozen But ponds. this is what I'm saying. If, you, if I saw a frozen pond and there was a cow standing in the middle, I would think somebody's got to do something about this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Or like, if, especially if I was on the ice doing something and I turned and right behind me was a cow, I'd be like, oh no. Yeah. This ice is definitely not rated for me and the cow to be out here. Um, here are some Cajun idioms or sayings. Here, this one's a little, you know, a, a little dirty. Mm-hmm. But, and I am going to not do very well at these Cajun pronunciations because they're not quite French. Yeah. Right? It's Creole. Uh, Lerma, Lermaire, don't you? Which is? Which means a tear in the eye and a poop in the butt. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Which means that you're, you're full of crap. Oh, okay. I was, I was going to say, like, sounds like you're having a real bad day. <laughs> It was said uh, by Journey, their um, mother or grandmother would say that when they wanted to stay home from school. Mm, oh, because you're like, oh, oh I mm-hmm. feel so bad. I'm like, well, there's a tear in your eye, but there's a poop in your butt. Right. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Another one um, is, um, and I've heard this before in a very general kind of Southern way, is how you mom and them. Meaning, how is your mother and oh, their family? Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Right. Um, and then a, a useful word uh, is lanyep, which means something extra. 
a little, little Ooh, spice. I love that. A little sprinkle in there. Um, and then the last one I wanted to say was, according to Journey, uh, a favorite pastime of Cajuns is to have a fade de dough. Uh-huh. Which translates to go to sleep, but in reality, it's what is called a late night party. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like. Yeah. I don't like a late night party anymore. Ask me when I'm younger. Now, oh, now sounds terrible. Hey, everybody, you know what sounds great? You. Thank you for listening. And also, thank you to our editor, Rachel, without whom we could not make this show. And thank you to our researcher, Alex, without whom we could not make the show. And especially, specifically, this show, because Alex goes through all the emails. So if you write to us, gmail.com, make sure you say hi to Alex, because she reads all of them. Uh, also... We've got a new merch because it's November. We've got a new month. And there's a sale going on. Go over there. Check out all the stuff. And 10% of all merch proceeds this month go to the Fair Elections Center. So go check that out. If you enjoy watching or discussing the Great British Bake Off, you should check out mine and Teresa's Great British Bake Off podcast called Bake On. You can find it wherever podcasts are found. If you're already a listener, tell some friends about it. What else, Teresa? What am I forgetting? Well, we always thank Brent, Brentel Floss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone, where those are found. We also thank Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. And that's going to do it for us, so join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it? Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.